sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to hour number two of the morning after live right here on Sports Grid and Sirius XM channel 159. That is the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM all across the Spiz Grizz Network. That's Sports Grid and I am Ben Stevens. A Thursday live right here on TMA. One more hour to go. We will continue to break down the World Cup. The final day of group stage matches for the apparent group of death about to begin here at the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. The knockout round is very much on the horizon starting on Saturday. We'll go around the association. A huge slate of games last night, 13 in fact, only one on this Thursday. So we'll recap what happened with Justin Henry and then to end out this second hour, never too early. I mean, never too early as week 13 starts in the NFL tonight between the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots to look at the rest of the Sunday slate. We'll do that with Harrison Sanford in just a little bit. But to start off our number two, it's a huge week in college basketball. Last week with everything going on, Feast Week was front and center in college hoops. This week, the ACC Big Ten Challenge really takes the reign. A battle of blue bloods last night in Assembly Hall between number 10 Indiana and 18th ranked North Carolina. The Tar Heels sliding down from the number one spot in the AP poll for the entire season this week. And last night, Indiana looked like a front runner, certainly, in their matchup against UNC. 77 65, the final in favor of the Hoosiers. IU closed as a four and a half point favorite for this matchup at home against. North Carolina easily covering that number, winning by 12. Indiana remains a perfect unbeaten 7-0. And as John Rothstein told you yesterday on the morning after, he expected Assembly Hall to be one of the best atmospheres in all of college basketball, as was on display last night for a huge matchup, a top 20 showdown for IU against UNC. Now, North Carolina, a team that went on the improbable run, of course, to the national championship game a season ago came back with pretty much all of their contributing factors outside of Brady Manick but added in Pete Nance they were the number one team in the preseason the first couple weeks of the year despite struggling but still winning games North Carolina has now lost three games in the past two weeks and outside of being a blue blood battle last night in Bloomington it was also a big man battle Armando Baycott back for North Carolina and Trace Jackson Davis back for Indiana not only did his team Get the better of the matchup. TJD got the better of Armando Baycott last night. Baycott 12 and 10, a double-double for the young man. He is a walking double-double. But Trace Jackson Davis, 21 points, 10 rebounds as well, going over his points prop last night of 17 and a hook and over his rebounding prop of eight and a half as well. So as we go around the country in college basketball, both of these guys, Armando Baycott and Trace Jackson Davis, will be in the running all year long, it seems, for the Wooden Award. And unlike in the NBA, the big man, at least as you can see here from the odds, still rues the day in college basketball. 
three of the shortest prices, all big men at the moment. You see Trace Jackson Davis tied for the fourth best odds at 12 to 1 alongside a guard and Marcus Sasser for Houston. Armando Baycott moving down this board now 20 to 1, but the three best prices, Zach Eady, Oscar Sheeway, the reigning national player of the year, Andrew Timmy, all big men. We'll get to Zach Eady in just a moment. First, we welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience here, the second hour of the morning after, live on this Thursday. Sirius XM, Channel 159. All of our terrestrial radio affiliates now in the mix as well. I am Ben Stevens. The ACC Big Ten Challenge continues to highlight college basketball. And all the, although the ACC is going to win the final challenge we will see between these two leagues, two of the best in the Big Ten put that on display last night. Indiana knocking off North Carolina by 12, covering as a four-and-a-half-point favorite. A huge day for Trace Jackson Davis. And Purdue continues to win basketball games, including that big man right there, the 7-4 junior out of Canada, Zach Eady. Now 5-1, to one, plus 500, as the favorite to win the Wooden Award. That is up from 45-1, to one, $40 of movement, in about a month of college basketball. That plus 4,500 number was his price in the preseason as Purdue moved up from number 24 in the AP poll just last week to now number five in the country. When you look at the final score last night, Purdue wins by 10 on the road in Tallahassee against a one-win Florida State team. They did not cover as a 16.5-point favorite, but Zach Eady 25-8 last night. Also in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, Duke gets a victory at home in Durham against Ohio State. Number 17, that's what the Blue Devils are and the 25th-ranked Buckeyes. A competitive game. Duke wins by 9, 81-72, covering as a 5.5-point favorite. A big win for the Blue Devils, who got a lot of contribution. Five players in double figures last night for the Dukies. And shout-out Chris Holtman, the head coach of the Buckeyes, saying college basketball needs more of these home-and-home games, playing in not a neutral site environment, but going to Cameron, playing inside Cameron Indoor in front of the Cameron Crazies is a big stretch for Ohio State to begin this year, but it's something they can add on their resume as we get later on in this college basketball season. With so many marquee programs on display in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, of course, we look at the national championship odds. Houston, the number one team in the country, living up to that billing, plus 700. The favorite right now, short in comparison to the rest of the field at this moment. By the way, Texas, who you saw there, 11-1, to 1, they play Creighton tonight. That's going to be a huge top 10 tilt as well. To the World Cup we go, up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Drama to end out the group stage at the 2022 World Cup. We saw it yesterday afternoon. We are seeing it again this morning as we get rolling here on a Thursday live on the morning after on SportsGrid. Helping us break it all down, make sense of all the results that need to happen and what it means in terms of qualifying for the round of 16 is Action Network's Anthony DeBundo back here on TMA. Anthony, we were breaking down the scenarios for Group F and their final group stage matches that are already underway in Qatar we saw that yesterday in terms of Argentina in their matchup against Poland and Mexico against Saudi Arabia as well so much drama 
to round out the group stage at the World Cup. It's very exciting stuff. Yeah, no doubt. Morocco has a chance to win the group here. Belgium, a team that some expected to, to make some noise at this tournament. Others expected them to kind of fizz out, and they're in danger of going out here. They would be the first like yep. big country, I'd say, uh, to go out of this tournament. You know, team that people think could could have made a deep run. Uh, and so it's it's a very dramatic, you know, hour and a half now. Certainly. And it's great when both of the games in the same group come to a culmination pretty much at the same time. By the way, Morocco, a one nothing lead about midway or close to midway through that opening half over Canada. As Anthony mentioned, if the results hand right, uh, stand right now, Morocco wins the group, which would mean Belgium needs to beat Croatia to advance to the round of 16 if Croatia wins or draws they would get out of Group F as well. Group C, as we were looking at it yesterday afternoon, Anthony, was incredibly dramatic. Argentina in Poland, Mexico in Saudi Arabia, coming down to the wire. Argentina wins the group, as was the expectation, but seemed a little bit daunting following Saudi Arabia's huge upset over Argentina to start off the group stage in Group C, but Argentina wins 2-0 against Poland. Yesterday, they win the group. What is your takeaway right now, Anthony, of what is potentially Lionel Messi's final World Cup and where Argentina stands entering the knockout round? My take is that Argentina is fortunate they got a very weak group because Poland and Mexico were two teams I was not particularly high on coming into this tournament. Mm. You lose to Saudi Arabia, who's the projected worst team in the pots. Uh, and a lot of teams would have been in a lot of trouble. I think Argentina, like I said, they didn't play that well against Mexico. They got the 2-0 win, but they created you know, 0.3 expected goals. They didn't really get any clear scoring opportunities, just a couple of long-range missiles from Messi and, and Enzo Fernandez. And then you know, they played really well against Poland. Chesney saves Poland. Yes, I know they lost the match, but really look at the expected goals, the underlying numbers from that match. It could have easily been 3 or 4 for Argentina and probably should have been. Uh, and Poland was bailed out by their goalkeeper, saving their goal difference to get them into the knockout round. I'm not expecting much from Poland against the French. They've been out, mm -hmm. outplayed in just about every match. They, you could say they played even with Saudi Arabia, but they were outplayed um, at the margins by Mexico and obviously clearly outplayed by Poland. So Argentina needs to improve. They have a, a relatively friendly draw now, though. They get Australia and then either the U.S. or the Netherlands. Uh, given the form of the Netherlands, I'm not too high on any of those teams really getting past Argentina. But... Yeah. They're going to have to play much better if they want to get past the likes of a Brazil or a potential Spain, which is loading up to be their most likely semifinal opponent. Of course, once you get to the semifinals, anything can happen, though. Despite the 2-0 loss for Poland, they advanced out of the group based on goal differential with Mexico. Both teams ended with four points in the group stage, but Poland had an even goal differential, zero. Mexico was a negative one. And because of that, it's the first time El Tri, the Mexican side, does not get to the knockout stage at the World Cup since 1978 when they have qualified for the field. And their manager, Tata Martino, fired, canned, sacked yesterday following that disappointing result in the group stage for Mexico. Elsewhere, though, Anthony, you mentioned Australia and the path now for Argentina. The Cinderella story continues for the Aussies. They were plus 300 pre-tournament to advance out of the group, but an upset over Denmark and the Australians advance to the round of 16. How would you describe the effort for the Australians and the significance now of getting to the knockout round? Yeah, I was more surprised in how poor Denmark was, but credit the Aussies taking advantage. 
Uh, they really weren't the clearly better side in either of their last two matches. If you look at the balance of the chances, the underlying expected goals numbers, ball progression numbers. Uh, but, you know, they created about 1.6 expected goals in the group stage, scored three goals off of it. Three goals was enough to get them into the knockout with two wins. Uh, my tournament pre-tournament read on Australia was that they were one of the worst teams in the field. Uh, I think they were still one of the worst teams in the field. If you look at expected goals allowed, uh, only... Mm-hmm. Saudi Arabia has allowed more, and Poland have allowed more expected goals at this point in the tournament. So, like, they've been pretty fortunate. They got ripped apart by France, and I, I think they're going to have a hard time with Argentina. But, the, you know, the beauty of this World Cup is that for a country like Australia, who doesn't have the talent or the realistic expectations of going deep, just making it out of the group stage is a huge, huge accomplishment. So credit the Socceroos, credit the Aussies. Remember, they had to win a penalty shootout against Peru in a match that I thought they were outplayed in just to get to the World Cup. They, they played a, uh, an inter-confederational playoff just to get here. So it's an incredible ride, an incredible journey. And, uh, you know, hopefully they can give Argentina a match and, uh, and make this one a, a fun tie. So the round of 16, the knockout stage, 16 teams qualify. Eight have already punched their ticket. Here are the eight odds to win the tournament for those sides at the moment. Anthony, as we get ready for the knockout round starting this weekend of the 2022 World Cup, how do you evaluate the futures market as we move forward in this tournament? Yeah, you know, Brazil is still the favorite, and I think based on their two performances against Serbia and Switzerland. Technical difficulty there with Anthony DeBundo. We will hope to get him back. But as you saw there, the eight sides that have already advanced to the round of 16 and the market movement we have seen argentina was all but written off at least in being a true tournament contender with that huge upset loss against saudi arabia just last week it was the biggest upset in the history of the world cup their odds have gotten shorter now to win the tournament as they advance and the path looks a little bit easier france is trying to and they already have knocked off the curse of being the reigning champ at the world cup and getting out of the group stage the previous two champions had not done that french France already has. They won, by the way, Group D, despite a loss to Tunisia yesterday. So let's set the stage for the rest of the the day. We look at the live odds right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook for the matches going on. Again, Morocco in the 20th minute, a 1-0 lead over Canada, heavily favored to win this match outright. If the Moroccans win, they will win Group F. Belgium then would need a win over Croatia to get in. If Croatia draws... They will advance to the round of 16. And then later today, starting at 2 p.m. Eastern time, the beauty of the final matches in the group stage. Everything happens at the same time. It's like red zone on steroids with all the implications that we have available. Spain, a heavy favorite against Japan in one of the matches in Group E. Some called this the group of death with both Spain and Germany entering this tournament. Spain minus 240 to win this match outright against Japan. Germany minus 1050 to win their match against Costa Rica. These stats provided by our associate producer, the stat man, the freeze man, Joe Frizo. Spain advances with a win or a draw out if they lose and somehow Costa Rica pulls off the huge upset against Germany Japan would advance with a win eliminated with a loss and again Spain a heavy favorite to do that but all they need is a draw today you see the odds right now to win the group Spain heavily favored to do that but to advance Germany is minus 420 so those heavy international soccer powers in Spain and Germany look to be on to the knockout stage out of group E so that's the case for Germany they cannot 
lose this game, and they are out also with a draw, much like what we saw with the United States men's national team on Tuesday afternoon. Germany needs a victory. Win or go home. They advance with that win, and Spain beating Japan. Spain a minus 240 favorite on that outright price to win this match. Germany minus 1050. They will be on the attack against Costa Rica all afternoon long. So that's our check-in at the 2022 World Cup for this Thursday, live right here on the morning after. We'll go around the association up next here on the grid. Only one game in the NBA this evening, but 13 yesterday. Tons to break down and to look at in terms of the markets around the NBA. We'll do that next, live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Thirteen games in the NBA last night. A ton to break down here live on the morning after on this Thursday on SportsGrid. We welcome back Justin Henry to help us do just that, to go around the association and what the results mean last night. Here we are a quarter of the way through already in this 2022-23 NBA regular season. Justin, thank you so much, as always, for waking up early out there on the West Coast and joining us here on this Thursday on the morning after. Well, you know, it's always easier to go to sleep when your team gets a win. And last time I came on the show, my team wasn't winning very much. So when I see a Laker win, I'm feeling good. The energy is good coming on to the show. So appreciate you guys having me. I was excited to come on today. 128-109, the victory for the Lakers over the Portland Trailblazers. We'll look at that game in just a little bit. But first, Justin, we start with the best team in the NBA, the Boston Celtics, an 18-4 record. Last night at home inside TD Garden, a 13-point victory in a rematch of the Eastern Conference Finals against the Miami Heat, a rematch that saw Jason Tatum post a 49-point, 11-rebound double-double for the Seas. The best record in the league, Justin, the best team in the NBA at this moment. What will be the key for the Celtics in your mind to sustain this level of success the entirety of the year? I don't see a reason why they don't. And when you look at this team, it's the depth, it's the pieces they've added over the last year to a team that already has gone to a championship. So for me, this Celtics team has has been truly dependent on the development of its two young stars and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, but then also now adding key pieces that can come off the bench and score 20 points. When you talk about guys like Malcolm Brogdon, Derek White, these additions to the team, Al Horford just getting extended, like these pieces matter. And when you're in the Eastern Conference where there's a, a couple of really heavy teams in the East, this Celtics team is one of the best teams in the league every single game. It doesn't matter. There's no drop off because of the depth. So I love what the Celtics team has built, the depth, and then the, the evolution, especially of Jason Tatum turning himself into an MVP candidate. Every time we come on the show, it feels like uh, we're talking about his development and just continued rise up that MVP chart. Certainly so. Only 20 cents behind right now with the third best price only behind Luka and Giannis. They are the co-favorites with a plus 280 number, but Jason Tatum has seen his odds shorten consistently over the last couple of weeks, plus 300. Speaking of one of those co-favorites in the MVP race, Giannis Antetokounmpo, not far away from us last night, Justin, at Madison Square Garden here in Midtown Manhattan. 37 points, 
13 boards in Milwaukee knocks off the New York Knicks 109-103. They are only two games back of the seas for the best record in the NBA, hot on Boston's heels. And they have done all of this, a 15-5 record, Justin, without Chris Middleton up until this point of the regular season. Chris Middleton expected back later this week for Milwaukee. So what does the ceiling become for the Bucks when Chris Middleton enters the fold? Well, I think we're talking about the two best teams in the East when we're talking about the Celtics and the Bucks. And with the way Giannis is playing lately, um, there's a reason why he's the favorite to win MVP right now. And with Chris Middleton back, this team now becomes even more dynamic. You know, they went on that undefeated streak to start the season without Chris Middleton. And when you bring a piece back like that, yes, there will be some some time to get re, you know, reacclimated and get back into the offense, get up to normal speed. Uh, but Chris Middleton is a big piece of what this Bucks team does, especially when it comes to closing out basketball games. So we saw Giannis fell out of the game yesterday. There's some other people that had to take uh, different roles. But Chris Middleton's normally the guy that can step up, hit the clutch free throws, hit the big shot if it's not Giannis doing it. So it's a very big piece for this team. And and they're already really good without Chris Middleton. It's This, this Celtics-Bucks thing is going to be crazy to watch as the season unfolds because they're both so heavy hitting and both have a chance to go on and win the championship. So let's look at that head-to-head -head matchup between the two Titans right now in the Eastern Conference. Not only do they have the two best records in the league, they have the two best prices to win the Eastern Conference championship, the two shortest numbers to win the NBA Finals, and as we mentioned, their two best players, Giannis for Milwaukee, Jason Tatum for Boston, dueling it out for the NBA MVP. So Justin, as you look at the odds right there, the Celtics, the best offense in the league, the Bucks, the best defense in the league, I want you to project out the rest of this NBA season. I put you on the spot right here, right now. Who do you think will end up at the end of the year as the number one seed in the Eastern Conference? Well, I don't mind the pressure. I love the pressure. And when I think about pressure players, I think about Jason Tatum and what he's been able to do over the years. And when you talk about growing as a player and owning that leadership role, owning that defensive role, I see the development of Jason Tatum, and it's really impressing me right now. The Bucks are, are probably the, the, the public favorite, even though they're they're a little bit, um, you know, a little, they have a couple extra points there. I would rather have the the Celtics, and I think that they're going to be the number one seed coming out. Like I said, I absolutely love what Jason Tatum has done as a player and his growth. So. Put me on board. I'm a, I'm a Celtic, even though I'm a Lakers fan. I'm a Celtics fan yeah. this year, man. Um, I love watching Tatum. It invokes a lot of that old school basketball. Me and you were talking about off air. Yeah. Home court advantage for sure will be a key thing throughout any postseason run. It's the case in pretty much every sport. Right now, Boston, obviously, an 18-4 and overall record, 11-1 and inside TD Garden this season. So the Celtics, the favorites in the East, plus 200. Only 40 cents behind the Milwaukee Bucks at plus 240. And then, Justin, there's a drop-off to the rest of the field in the Eastern Conference. Over $4.50 to the Brooklyn Nets somehow, someway, with the third-best price at 7-1, to one, and the Cavs at plus 850. When you look at the teams in the middle of the pack in the Eastern Conference, who do you think is the biggest challenger to the Celtics and the Bucks at the top? You know, when I look at the Nets, Cavs, Sixers, it's like they kind of all have something going on except for the Cavs, right? Those teams, the Heat, going without Jimmy Butler, they don't look right. The Nets have a, a lower record right now. They got a lot of work to do in order to look like the Nets that challenge for a championship. The Sixers, dealing with so many injuries. Harden's been off and on. We've seen Embiid banged up. Uh, some of their team, Tyrese Maxey's out right now. But when I look at the Cavs, they're young. They're deep. 
And if I was going to go with anyone to contend out of those two outside of the Bucks and Celtics, it would be the Cleveland Cavaliers who are playing incredible basketball right now. They have the pieces to do it. It's just about can they make that hump? That over, over the hump, excuse me. Can I get over that hump, that youth hump, and rely and somehow get some experience to take a nice long run in this Eastern Conference? That's the biggest question when it comes to this Cavs team. And we saw that young roster and the depth on display for Cleveland last night. The Cavs were hosting the Sixers. They won 113 to 85. JoJo barely played only 29 minutes last night because of the route, just 19 points and six rebounds for Joel Embiid. But five players in double figures for the Cleveland Cavaliers last night, Justin, including Karis LeVert off the bench, a team-high 22 points. So you gave us your thoughts on the Cavs as we flip the script over to the Sixers. Can Philly keep their head above water? Can Philly stay in this Eastern Conference race even without a healthy Tyrese Maxey and James Harden at the moment? They're going to continue to fall until those guys get back. So until James Harden gets back, until Tyrese Maxey gets back, this team just isn't equipped to hang with some of the other top teams here in the Eastern Conference. I think they'll make a move. Once Tyrese Maxey gets healthy, once we see Tobias Harris, he's been a little bit off and on um, on the court. We'll, we'll see James Harden get there, and they have to gel as well. We haven't seen him on the court altogether. And so this Sixers team isn't bad. They're not as bad as their record indicates right now, sliding down. Right. They will be a top contender in the Eastern Conference. It's just a matter of health. And can they execute once they're fully healthy? That remains to be seen. But they have the star power. They got the coaching. We know they're going to be a threat come April and uh, you know later months. To me, it's, it's all about timing. And when do they get healthy? So we flip it over to the Western Conference. Now, big injury news in the NBA this week. Carl Anthony Towns for the T-Wolves out for a considerable amount of time the timetable around four to six weeks right now but good news there was not any apparent tear in his achilles tendon in the first game for minnesota without cat they put up an eight point victory 109 101 against the memphis grizzlies jaw only had 24 points anthony edwards led all scores with 29 for the timberwolves but as you look at this team justin and project out for the timberwolves as well how different are they without carl anthony towns well, that's a big injury. Anytime you lose your, your starting power forward, one of your, the best players on your team out for four to six weeks, that can kill your team. But this Timberwolves team is full of stars. Like when you talk about D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, Rudy Gobert, uh, even some guys coming off the bench, Jalen Noel, it's like they have the firepower to make up for an absence of a Carl Anthony Towns. And there was a lot there was a lot of talk, obviously, about Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert and just could they even play together? Did it make sense defensively? What are the roles? Anthony Edwards was having trouble scoring the basketball, getting to the hoop. And we see without Carl Anthony Towns, that opened things up for Anthony Edwards to take on a larger role. So there might be a little bit of identity crisis for this team and some pieces are going to have to change. But I love seeing the development in that Anthony Edwards said, you know what, I'm going to take this on my shoulders and get a win. Justin, I told you we would give you your time. Only about a minute left here in this segment, but the Lakers, a big victory last night at home, 128-109 over the Trailblazers. LeBron, 31-8-7. Anthony Davis continues his tear, 27 points and 12 boards as well. Justin Henry, the final minute of this segment is yours. Have the Los Angeles Lakers started maybe, just maybe, to figure some things out? 
please just give me a glimmer of hope. That's all I ask for with this Lakers team. A glimmer of hope. We're seeing Russ hit clutch into the quarter shots. Two of them yesterday, buzzer beaters. We're seeing LeBron get back to playing like LeBron after being out for a couple weeks. AD has had a couple close scares, but he's on the floor, which is all we can ask for. Lakers, get back to the playing game. If that happens, that's a win for this season. That's all I need to see, Ben. All we need to see Listen. is the Lakers in the playing game, and I'll be a happy camper throughout the rest of the year. Um, you know, this Lakers team has a lot of flaws, but at the end of the day, yeah. I think they're better than their record shows right now. If they're going to make an impact and, and make a nice little run here with or without a trade. Justin Henry, I appreciate you resetting the expectation for the Lakers. But hey, at least there's optimism at the moment. Thank you so much for your time. More TMA up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Week number 13 of the NFL regular season kicks off tonight in Foxborough, an AFC East divisional duel between the Patriots and the Bills. Buffalo remains a three-and-a-half-point road favorite, but we move forward through week 13 into the Sunday slate in the National Football League, and we do that live right here on a Thursday on the morning after on SportsGrid with Harrison Sanford. You can see him all over the grid all weekend long on in-game live all access but Harrison before we get to the live lines we look at the early lines for this Sunday slate and we appreciate your time and insight as always my pleasure happy to join you and uh, looking forward to this week we're getting down to the nitty-gritty in the football season so uh, time to make some money and hopefully our fantasy football teams also advance as well and hopefully on your fantasy football team you do not have Russell Wilson speaking of the nitty-gritty it is a very different perspective for the Denver Broncos right now than it was in the preseason. The Broncos were one of the shortest prices to win an AFC title. Now they have one of the longest numbers. And Harrison, in a season full of disappointments for Denver, now storylines out of the Mile High City that are just wild. We saw Mike Purcell and Russell Wilson get into it last week for the Broncos on the sideline. We heard yesterday that Russell Wilson had a birthday party earlier this week and only half of his teammates showed up just craziness right now in the mile high city and it doesn't get any better this weekend in baltimore they're an eight and a half point underdog against the ravens right now harrison when you look at that line eight and a half in favor of the flock is that line representative of where you think both of these teams stand entering week 13 well it's definitely representative of where the denver broncos stand they are just uh, they're not talented enough offensively, and the defense right now, I don't know how much longer they can hold on um, to what whatever positives they have because they're not getting supported by that offense. Uh, the offense also not without some of their best players. Jerry Judy doesn't seem likely like he's going to play, uh, so you're really just focusing on Cortland Sutton and Latavius Murray, who had 82% of the snap share last week, and that's just not encouraging considering uh, how old and where his performance level is for Latavius Murray. What, I think he, ran he ranks 71st in yards after contact in terms of rushing so far this year. So not uh, too encouraging there. I would say, though, it does, it's kind of weird to see the Baltimore Ravens getting that many points. Uh, 
simply because right now offensively they aren't great. I know they will they'll have Gus Edwards in there, but right now they're third in the NFL in drop rate. And again, same same thing as always with this Baltimore Ravens team. You're kind of curious about where their offense is and, and how they're going to continue to score when they're forced to be a little bit more versatile. But either way, obviously we would I would roll with the Baltimore Ravens and I would take them laying the eight and a half. Uh, yeah. I think there all there's there has to be a motivation factor as well. Uh, should be a prideful defense uh, who has a response to how they basically gave away that game last week against Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Harrison, right now Baltimore is giving away games. They are a seven and four football team, but one of the more confusing teams to try to forecast in the National Football League. They have led in all four of their losses, their first three by double digits at some point of that game and had a touchdown lead in Jacksonville with two minutes remaining before the Jaguars came back, scored the touchdown, and then went for two for the victory outright. So you look at this Baltimore team right now, Harrison, a 7-4 football team in the top spot in their division in the AFC North and favored to win that division with a minus 230 number. Heavily favored to be a playoff team, of course, in the fourth best price to win the AFC at plus 850. But with all of that taken into account, Harrison, how do you evaluate the flock right now? Well, for sure, I think they'll make the playoff. And right now, uh, you should bet them to win the division if you want to lay that 230. Right now, I think the Cincinnati Bengals are a better team, but the Cincinnati Bengals, if I look here at their schedule, they still got to play against the Buffalo Bills. Cincinnati Bengals still have to play against the New England Patriots, who might be an improved team here coming down the stretch as Mac Jones continues to get more comfortable. And then they also, then the Bengals are also going to play against Tampa Bay uh, and Tampa Bay is obviously fighting for their lives here in the NFC South. So uh, I would take the, the the Ravens to win the division. Obviously, the price isn't great. But after that, I'm not too sure how far I would trust them uh, going forward. Again, it's about versatility in your offense for me and a solid defense. And while the defense can be solid, I just don't trust the offense. And I don't think uh, a lot of people should, especially when you got guys like Joe Burrow, when you got Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, uh, when you got Justin Herbert potentially in the playoffs. It's just, they're just two different worlds. And even if Lamar Jackson was a better thrower of the ball or a better quarterback in the traditional sense, as I alluded to earlier, the Ravens are third in drop rate right now. So his targets aren't helping him either. Um, it's, I don't have a lot of confidence in them. They are. They should be thankful if you're a Ravens better, that their schedule going down for the remainder of the season is relatively easy compared to the Bengals in their division. When you look at the playoff odds or the divisional odds, those are regular season numbers. I think you could have some concerns, certainly with the Ravens, about closing out football games when it matters most once you get to the playoffs. We continue to go around the National Football League. Misery loves company, and that's what's happening right now for the L.A. Rams. The reigning Super Bowl champs, have had a disastrous, pounding Super Bowl hangover this year. The Rams at home this weekend, hosting their divisional foes in the Seattle Seahawks. The line, Harrison, is north of a touchdown. No Matthew Stafford, no Cooper Cup on the IR. Allen Robinson is going to miss the remainder of this season. And now add Aaron Donald to that injury report as well. This will be the first game in his NFL career that Aaron Donald has missed due to injury. 
So when you look at that spread, Harrison, the Seattle Seahawks in contention for a postseason spot, can they take advantage of a very banged up L.A. team? I love the Seahawks laying the points here because uh, if you look at them, if you look at the Rams defensively, for the most part, they have been solid. There have been a couple of miscues, one of them being their deep completion rate allowed against. Right now, they are eighth in the NFL in deep completion, uh, eighth worst in deep completion rate against them. And the way Geno Smith has been completing passes in terms of uh, in terms of his completion rate, uh, those two things do not marry together if you want to back the Rams. Now you also add the fact that Aaron Donald, this tremendous football player who puts a lot of pressure on quarterbacks uh, through the middle of the defensive line and also obviously serves as a run stopper as well. You add those two things in, you add the fact that Bryce Perkins isn't playing, then you also add the fact that the game is being played in L.A. And yes, that's supposed to be a home game, but we all know it's not. It's probably going to be 50-50 in terms of Seahawks fans in SoFi SoFi Stadium, if not more Seahawks fans. So uh, for me, I love the Seahawks here. Desperate team uh, with an opportunity here to get a win against a depleted and dispirited team. At this time of year, motivation definitely plays a factor when I look at lines, and this is definitely one I'll be taking. And you look at Seattle right now, Harrison. Just a couple of weeks ago, they occupied the top spot in the NFC West thanks to a four-game win streak for the Niners. That is no longer the case. But Seattle still has their hopes set on the postseason. And Harrison, we say this all the time now as we get to in the hunt season in the NFL with the caveat, if the season ended today... All four teams out of the NFC East division would be in the playoffs, including the Giants, the Cowboys, and the Commanders. As we look at those odds for the wild card race, the Commanders favored to get into the postseason. The Giants are not a plus money number at plus 110 and a strong price for the Seahawks at minus 320. So Harrison, between these three teams, probably battling it out for the final two spots in the NFC wild card race, which club do you think is the most likely to be a playoff team this year? Ooh, I, have, I would say the Seahawks are the most likely, even though they still have two matchups against the 49ers on their schedule. So that's a little bit of a cause for concern. But they do, as we just talked about, they do get the Rams this week. Uh, you do also get two matchups between the Commanders and the Giants coming up here yep. in the next two weeks. So that's going to be a big factor. The team that comes away... Obviously, whoever wins those two, if you get the Commanders or the Giants to win two of those uh, games, then obviously the loser of that game is probably in a bit of a worry, if not. So I would worry, uh, if not a lot. So I would worry about that in terms of the Giants schedule as well. They still take on the Minnesota Vikings, who are going to be fighting for the number one seed. But they also take on the Philadelphia Eagles, who might not need to fight for a number one seed as well, depending on how things shake out. So. Obviously, there's a lot to play for. These head-to-heads are really going to take on, uh, really going to have an impact on how things turn out against Seahawks getting the 49ers twice and the and the yeah. Giants and Commanders playing against each other two times in the next uh, three weeks. So that's really where what it comes down to. So if you like uh, one of those NFC East teams and this and this, these battles coming up here, that would be the one team that I would be uh, picking to go forward along with the Seahawks. The Giants have the hardest remaining schedule in the NFL. The Commanders, the third most difficult. Seattle, the 15th easiest middle of the pack, but not nearly as hard as Washington or New York. And Harrison, I'm glad you bring this up. 
a very interesting scheduling quirk in the NFL this year. The Commanders have back-to-back games against their divisional foe in the Giants this Sunday in MetLife. Then Washington has a bye. Then the Commanders the following Sunday will host the Giants outside the nation's capital. Not only did you see those odds that favor Washington to be the postseason team out of these two between the Giants and the Commanders, Washington also, Harrison, a two-and-a-half-point road favorite in New York, New Jersey this weekend, and the line growing in favor of the Commanders. So what does that spread say to you that Washington, a two-and-a-half-point favorite in a divisional game on the road? I think the line is saying that people are catching up to the New York Giants. The Giants have not been a great rush defense all year long, and uh, I think and teams are catching on to that. You also have to look. I think it also speaks to how much better the Washington Commanders have been over the past month or so. Their defense has really turned it up. Their top 10 in passing defense and in rushing defense, quiet is kept. And they're also going to get back Chase Young as well at some point here, mm. maybe as soon as this weekend. So you add those two things together. We've seen Saquon Barkley. He went touchdown list on Thanksgiving and uh, has had two, two bad performance weeks, at least up to his standards uh, of these last two weeks. So you put those two things together, the way the commanders are surging, and all of a sudden, it makes a lot of sense here to back the commanders, even though you never feel comfortable uh, if you are betting uh, on the commanders with them giving away points on the road to a divisional foe. Uh, so that would be an interesting quirk. But I also, you know, you also turned, pointed out the fact that after the bye week, they go head to head again, this time yeah. in Washington. I love that for the commanders there, too, because you do get a week to prep. Uh, while the Giants will be participating in another game. And so uh, with all those things being said, have to favor the Washington Commanders here to come out of this uh, as the better team in the standings. The command, the Commanders laying points right now, a perfect 4-0 record when Washington is booked as a favorite this year against the number. Sunday night, another NFC East team, the Dallas Cowboys, Harrison, the largest spread of the weekend, 10.5 points in favor of the boys at home hosting the Colts. One quick question for you, Harrison. Why is Indianapolis continuing to play in primetime? I have no idea. It's the Maybe it's Come the on. Jeff Saturday effect. I have no idea uh, why that's the case. Uh, but with that being said, it should be a matchup that should be fun. Uh, maybe Jonathan Taylor runs all over that bad Cowboys rush defense and they cover the spread. That is something to pay attention to. Dallas, not a great rushing defense this year. Harrison Sanford, you can see him all weekend long on SportsGrid in Game Live All Access. Harrison, thank you so much. We round out the show with the best bet up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out our two hours together here, live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid on this Thursday, where week number 13 of the NFL season kicks off tonight in Foxborough. Thank you for joining us on Sirius XM Channel 159. That's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM and all across the Sports Grid Network on this Thursday. I am Ben Stevens. Week number 13, a divisional duel in the AFC East between two teams that both post a winning record at the moment. The New England Patriots with a 6-5 and five mark host the Buffalo Bills 
who are 8-3. and three. The line has worked to the way of the Pats at home, but Buffalo still a three-and-a-half-point road. Favorite the over-under stands at 43-and-a-half. Now, earlier in the opening hour of this show, Nesson's George Belecci was here with his Boston breakdown for tonight on a Thursday. We like to bring on smart people here that give you that expertise to make you the best and smartest sports veteran fan you can possibly be, and that happened individually for me. They say it's a beautiful thing in life if you learn something new every day, I learned that Ramondre Stevenson is a huge component of the Patriots' passing attack. So before we say farewell and before we say goodbye, it's time for a Thursday night football best bet. It is time for Bye Bye Bye. Courtesy of the man known as George Balenciaga to some, Ramondre Stevenson, when you look at his game log and his stat lines, not only is he good at running the football, but he's a huge, and I mean huge, factor of everything New England does offensively for the Patriots, especially through the air. His receiving yards prop tonight is 37 and a half. He has gone over that number in four of the last five games for New England. He is averaging nearly 55 yards per game in that five-game span. And last week on Thanksgiving, 10 targets, 9 grabs, 76 yards against the Vikings. Ramondre Stevenson, over 37 and a half. Our associate producer, Andrew Bacigalupo. So brazen, he took the alternate route, 50 or more yards for some plus money. The morning after is back tomorrow on a football Friday starting at 9 a.m. Eastern time. I'm Ben Stevens. We'll talk then.